Alright, uh, this is take one, take one of the Elias and Jamal show. This is episode zero. This is proof of concept. <laughs> this is this two dudes talking. Uh, my name is Jamal Fulton. I am a 38-year-old sophisticated political activist from Mountain View, California. Uh, went to the University of Miami. Been in the NAACP when I was in high school, best high school in the state of California, Bellman College Prep. I'm sure you guys know about that. Um, so here we are talking with my friend Aphelius, and I'm gonna let him introduce himself. Uh, well, my name is Aphelius Cornelius. Uh, I am a uh, Navy vet. I've been in the military, was in the military for about 13 years active duty. I went to the University of Southern Illinois University out of Carmadale, Illinois, and I also attended American Military University uh, out of West Virginia. Uh, I have no political background, but I love politics. I love talking about normal stuff. I love talking about life, entertainment, sports. Uh, and I'm here with my friend Jamal because I think uh, we have some of the same views, but uh, in different ways we have uh, different views as well. So uh, hopefully this would be a great conversation for the both of us. Yeah, you know, we, we started talking at work and I think we thought that this was a great way to get our thoughts out there, our views out there, and try to make an impact on people that didn't really have a political leaning, uh, didn't know much about politics. I think this might be a good entry for them into that realm. Uh, but first and foremost, let, let's get right into it and talk about the topic that all the people at work were talking about. All of my friends, Latinos, Blacks, said that they were struggling to get through, couldn't get through, because uh, it was just so emotional. And that is the Netflix uh, special, I think it was a four-part series, called When They See Us. Did you get a chance to watch it? I did, and I don't understand why people felt like they could not watch the series. Honestly, that was my first my, my first thought was like, as the movie started going, I was like, okay, uh, I was already, already predisposed to being, all right, this can't be that emotionally draining. It can't be that uh, emotionally pulling from side to side. So let me sit down and watch it. So as I begin to watch it, uh, for those of you guys that don't know, it is about Central Park Five uh, in New York who were kids from 14 to 16 mm -hmm. who were accused and convicted of felonious rape. Um, assault, mm -hmm. um, rioting, and other various charges in New York. Um, they got exonerated in 2002, I believe, of yes, the crimes. But most, if not all of them, served their full sentences, which ranged from 5 to 15 years, if I recall correctly. And so it was four African Americans and one Latino. That is correct. Uh, young man. Uh, for all, those of us that have been around a little bit, when it comes to the police, right? Uh, it's five black dudes, right? So that Latino <laughs> doesn't get any pass in the movie. Uh, hey, he, I got the treatment just as bad, if not worse. Than this those is guys. weird when it's when it's black and then it's brown. What does that mean? Well, we you know, it's funny you said black that. We had, we had a conversation at work the other day about um, what does black mean. Is are you black and I'm brown? Is that is that what that means? No, I think that we are both. Whatever we are, we are both it, right? Um, I think it's because we are of I'm full a African. I'm a lot. I'm a lot. Sure, because I mean, you got some French, some Creole <laughs> in you, probably, right? Um, you know, slave owner got a little handsy, you know. <laughs> um, but the truth is, in the system, uh, in New York City, there I believe all five of them were from Harlem. Okay. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind they were treated all exactly the same as non-white young inhabitants of New York at the time. So, so what do you think about uh, the whole Trump portion of the series? So, all right, yeah, let me get there. So, as I sat down and watched the movie, what I thought, I was already like, huh, this is not going to be tough. And I was like, I can't believe these suckers are saying they couldn't get through it. 
So as the kids do their little dirt or whatever, and they start to get picked up by police mm-hmm. and start getting accused for the crimes, I did feel something. I felt something welling up inside. I was like, some anger, like, damn, this is, these guys are getting railroaded. This is cold-blooded. Even though, even my 16-year-old felt the same way. Yeah, so um, <laughs> the first problem I had, and I, we'll get to some part in a second. The first problem I had was I watched a little bit of First 48. I don't know if you've seen that show. Um, but basically, it's like real-life detectives going to solve crimes. And they say, if a crime's not solved in the first 48 hours, um, the likelihood of the crime being solved reduces by 50%. Actually, I've seen some clips of it. Right? I get it. Um, one of the things, my boys, we always say, it's been rap songs. What I learned from that TV show is, if you don't say anything, the cops don't know anything. Right? Now, I'm not saying that that's the way you should live your life. Right. But it was clear in this movie that these kids talk themselves into their convictions, right? So for those of us that don't know, um, basically they were all quote-unquote coerced into confessions and their confessions were used against them uh, in court, which basically sealed their fate. Even to this day, uh, people say, hey, no matter what crimes they got exonerated um, for, they have confessions that are on tape and it's hard to get around that for some people, right? When you say... Um, you know, this little boy did this crime and you hear him saying that he did this crime. If you want that person to do that crime, you're like, well, he's admitting it right now. Where in actuality, the likelihood of the coercion of the police at that time is super, super high. So anyway, um, they give coerced, what I'll call coerced confessions. They are used against them to convict them of those crimes. Right. All but one of those guys was a juvenile. And the state of New York, apparently 16 years old, puts you in the adult category. Right. The messed up part about all of that was the one guy who was 16, right, basically volunteered himself to go into the police office because his friend got picked up by the police. Right. Right. Um, Ultimately, to fast forward, he was the one that gets screwed up. Since they all get convicted, they all go to juvenile court except for him. Right. He goes to adult full jail. Um, don't want to get so personal, right? But you have a 16-year-old child. Right. Uh, I was a 16-year-old. <laughs> There's no way that a 60-year-old person should be dealing with 20, 30, 40, 50-year-old hardened criminals, hardened men, right? right? right. So he's got no chance. Right. Um, but anyway, so as the trial starts going on, um, in the movie, you read that Donald Trump takes out a full-page ad, I believe it's in the New York Times. Yep. That basically says, bring back the death penalty, right? Protect our police. In the written portion of it, it basically he's calling for the death penalty for these five young men. Spent $85,000. $85,000. And I don't know what the inflation is, but in 1989 when this occurred, that's a pretty large chunk of money, right? It seems to me that even then, he had two things, two mindsets. One... To put that in the paper, it seems like you do have some political aspirations. Right. Uh, secondarily, he is a glory hound. We all know that, right? So that's another way to get. It's the biggest news story of the day. Right. It's a way to interject him and his name right. into the story. Right. So you're no longer just talking about the Central Park Five. You're talking about the Central Park Five and Donald Trump. Right. What does Donald Trump think about this? At this time, not that he was a nobody. He was a well-known guy. Um, but he was even more so than before he got on the apprentice was a real estate mogul. But but his 
his voice in this whole thing created a 1994 crime bill. Yes, yes. But um, we'll get to that later. So, he puts out the full-page ad in the New York Times, right. calling for the death penalty, more or less, right? What that does, in my mind, it completely swings public perception, right? So, in New York at the time, crime is way crazier than it is now, right? right? I don't know if you're familiar, but in the late 90s, early, um, or the late 80s, early 90s, uh, Giuliani became the mayor. Right. At that time... Times Square, downtown Manhattan, was a little run down, right? You had adult theaters, you had vagrancy, you had bums, you had drug use, all that kind of stuff. When Giuliani came on board, one of his major tenets was law enforcement. Now, it's likely that Trump's call for the death penalty, Trump's call for beefing up the police in 1989, that in conjunction with Giuliani put the force on the public to make them swing back to the administration point of view to the um, civil servant point of view, less the citizen's point of view. So what you're saying in 1994, where it pushed into a crime bill, I'm sure Giuliani had a large part to do with that as well. So um, public uh, sentiment is no longer on these young children's side. They get convicted, right? right? All the while Trump is in his ivory tower, so to speak, you know, loving the fact that he was able to influence and don't get it twisted, no matter how it would have turned out. The moment they said guilty, in his mind, I'm certain he believed that he was a major influence on these guys getting convicted. Of course he did. Right? Obviously, they're not going to get the death penalty. Right. Right? But convicted, he feels good about himself. Segue that into nowadays, you know, it's, it's an easy transition for him to be a law and order kind of politician because that is what his base a public sentiment was, right? That's where he started. So for him to be the law and order guy, when he was running for president, I'm sure you were aware of it. He was law and order guy. These guys don't care. Even now when we talk about <laughs> the border. Well, obviously not, right? Because he's really, a criminal. But, really but it's, well, we know that it's not about what you do. Right? It's about what you say. Right. Right? Words no longer have the meaning we all once thought that they did. Right. Right. So I don't want to go too past this movie um, because... I finished it. There were four parts to it. I finished it all. I finished them all, too. Right. With my 16-year-old son. That is tremendous. Uh, and I asked him, uh, what did he think uh, about what he watched? And uh, the only words that he had for me was, if I'm ever convicted of a sexual crime, my life is ruined. And I didn't think about it that way until after I kind of like sat and I thought about what he said. I'm like, that's the only thing he got out of the, out of the, out of the whole you know, series. Yeah. Um, and I thought about it, and that is true. Like, at that age, say, for instance, at that age, you commit a sexual crime or anything, you commit a felony. At what point would your, can you get your life back on point where you won't be judged? Because throughout the movie, uh, a lot of people was like, you know, you, you rape that girl, you're, you're, you have a sexual, you know, uh, name on your, on your, on your background. Like, how can you ever get past that point if society now labels you as a sex offender? Like, once you're a sex offender, you're always a sex offender. Absolutely. So right. it's kind of like, if you're a liar, you're always a liar. Yeah. Um, if you're a cheater, you're always a cheater. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think that thing for him is kind of like, you're, you're still judging that person. Like, that person can never make a turnaround. And I didn't think about it like that. They can Absolutely. never make a turnaround. Now, here's the truth of the matter, right? I knew and I grew up with uh, 
a sex offender. Now, he became a sex offender when he was in his 18, 20, lower 20s. And here's what happened, right? So he was a guy, he's in a, my buddies have a clique that they call, I won't name it here. So they got a clique, right? Uh, it's not a gang, it's just a bunch of dudes that are like the cool kids at their school. Right. They all kind of linked up, created some handshakes, created like a little group together. Right. Did they wear certain clothes? No, okay. they, they didn't do that. But everybody knew that this group, was, uh, those are the cool kids, right? right? right. So one of those guys dated, I think it was like 20 at the time, mm-hmm. dated and messed with and got with like a 16-year-old girl. Okay. Right? State of California, I believe it's 18, right. uh, which is the statute of limitations for, or the... The legal age. Mm-hmm. And he got caught up with that. I think the parents of that girl pressed charges. So he became a sex offender. Right? For the rest of his life. For a statutory rape. Right. I think he went to jail for a hot second. I think he might have pleaded out. Something. I don't know exactly what happened on that side. But when I downloaded this app, right, that basically showed all the blue dots in your neighborhood right. and who is a sex offender on that, right. his name popped up on the damn screen. Right. Right? I didn't know it until I saw it on the screen. Right. Super sharp. To me, nicest guy in the world. We play right. basketball together. Right. Real cool dude. But this is how you get caught up. And that blue dot will never, ever, ever go away. Never go away. Right? So he moves to Tracy. He's got to register in the county. He's got to register in the city. Say, hey, I don't know what the law is here in some neighborhoods. You have to post stuff on your house. You have to go around to your neighbors That's and crazy. let them know. It's crazy. Um, but one of the things that I've, I learned in life in general and then illustrated in this movie was making connections. Your network. Those things are important. If you remember in the movie when the Latin dude got out mm-hmm. and he was interviewing for a job, he said, oh, my dad said to ask for um, this lady. Right. right. And there was a young Asian lady at the desk and she was like, oh, she retired two weeks ago. Right. And obviously he wasn't able to acquire that job. So my, my thought is make sure your connection is strong, your network is strong, because if that lady was there. It's possible that he, he would have got a job just because right. of the connection that right. his mother or his dad had with this lady, right? So even in the face of that kind of stuff, it illuminates how important these interpersonal relationships that we all have really are. I'm someone that's kind of lived on an island uh, in my adult life. I've had my girlfriend, I had my mother and my father and my sister, but that's kind of about it. College boys once a year on a trip, but never really reached out, never really. Know, bled my heart out to anybody. Right. Uh, but in the times of need, those are the people, the people that you've done that with, those are the people that are going to be there for you. Um, and unfortunately, these guys are so young as kids, right. right? And they get out as adult men. They don't have those networks. All they really have is each other. And you see that played out in the movie. And some of them end up falling back into jail because they don't have that network. And that's my thing. It's right. Like, if you could convict as a felon, how can you get past this? I, I mean, that's a lot to, to think about. Yeah. But to move on, I think uh, Ava uh, DuVernay, uh, she is an awesome director, awesome writer. Um, I, I, she brought it to the forefront again. Um, I thought a lot of people have forgotten about it. You know, almost 30 years ago, a lot of people forgot about this. Yes. Um, yes. And I think now for me, for a person like myself, uh, having kids, I can bring that, let them know, like, this is what you shouldn't do if this happens. For, for us, it was a learning experience. Like, Leo knows, never, if you're ever put up by the police, if you're taken to the police station, you never say anything until I'm there. Um, and he didn't know that. Right. Uh, so th- that's a lot to, to think about. One thing I do want to touch on, though, $41 million they were given right. for their time in jail. Yeah. What do you think these guys did with that $40 million? Well, I mean, you saw the uh, one of the dudes, as they showed the people in the end, yeah. right, 
I was kind of upset when I saw the not the Latin dude, but um, what was his name? I forgot his name, but it was the 16-year-old kid who had been to real prison. Mm-hmm. Um, he, they showed him because he was the least educated of the group. He had dropped out of school. He stayed there. Right. Um, he stayed in the city. Everybody else had moved out to Atlanta, Georgia. Three of the guys moved to Atlanta, right? Seriously. Um, but he had stayed there, and they showed him walking the streets and like some big puff coats. He had some chains on. Right. He was wearing Beats headphones, right? right? So in my mind, that, Leo was an, laughed about that. that was an example of, all right, this guy took the money. Right. And if you recall, when he was a young kid, he had mentioned uh, when he was talking to his sister on the street when he had cut school, he was talking about, hey, I want a good life, right? Um, so without having an education, without having a young manhood, right. I believe once he got out and got that money, that's what he believed the good life was, acquiring right. these things, having these things, right? Um, a lot of those guys began to become activists, so to speak. I, I believe the Muslim guy right. uh, was an act, you know, started yeah. to become an activist. Right. Um, but that could never have landed on the 60-year-old kid because of his lack of education. Yeah, he can read. Right? And he had been sent up for so long and been basically abused by the system. Right. I, I believe that it had changed him internally forever. Right? Um, it doesn't really show him having much of an outside relationship with right. any of the other guys right. but as they all all they get out you can see them linking up together right. trying to help each other out right. uh, especially the very young kid the 14 year old kid yeah. uh, and the Muslim guy yeah. right um, and that's kind of my thinking about the entire stories where they had lost so much of their livelihood that it was about what do I know right I know my mom and I know these guys that got sent up with me Right. I have no relation to them outside of we got accused of the same crime and we're trying to fight and claw our way to freedom. But when we have our freedom, well, I got no other friends. I got nothing else, right? right? right. I have to lean on these guys. Right. And that's a tough, right? And then kind of go back to what you were talking about with regards to um, the sex offender stuff where this stuff will, will always be with these guys, <laughs> always. right? So it's like, hey... If I, you know, we started working together and, you know, oh, click, cool, let's let's link up or whatever, and you come to find this out about me, so to speak, right? You know, you're a grown man, but I gotta believe that this changes the way that you interact with one another. Right. In the movie, um, and I don't want to dwell on this point, but the movie with his relate the one of those guys' relationships with women, right? Or all those guys' relationships with right. women, really, right. were strained. The moment a woman gets angry, whether it's the stepmom or the right. girlfriend, right. they throw that right back into right. his face, right. Right. right? And it's just like, oh, you're exactly what everybody thinks that you are, right? right. So it's 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 really living a life from that point of like perfection, and that's impossible to do. One of the things that I was told as a young man was, you can make one mistake, right? And depending on what that mistake is, it'll take you a thousand successes. To make up for that one mistake. Because people will think about that one yeah, time yeah. you jacked it up. That's true. Right? And that's just human nature. So I don't, you know, this is absolutely no different from that. You know, great movie. Great, great movie. Um, oh, I got one more thing. Oh, one okay. more thing. Go ahead. This is a hot take, right? So all of those people, my Latino friends that posted online, uh, my black friends that I had talked to about it, couldn't get through it. Some of our coworkers couldn't get through it. Um, hmm. It's well, offensive to me. It is. To think about those people making that statement. It's offensive as a black man in America that these guys, number one, were wholly unfamiliar with the Central Park Five, right? Because of a black man, right. this is this is kind of education. So I'm glad it's actually 
being brought back to the forefront so we could all learn those of us that didn't know. Right. Uh, and number two, we've been fighting this fight for a long ass time, and right. I'm glad. I'm glad that all these people want to become our allies now, right. right? But where were you five years ago? This stuff was happening, right. right? When I walk out of your house, when I hit those streets, you don't think that's a small part in the back of my mind? What I mentioned to you when I drove into the neighborhood. Expectation is what? Maybe getting harassed, followed, right. right? Because I might not fit what this neighborhood has. So these are constantly things that I carry with me, right? Is it a burden? Yes. Do I engage people based on that? I absolutely don't. I give people fresh face, fresh point of view, openness. But I would be lying to say that uh, it's not in the back of my mind that I could possibly be railroaded like these kids were right. by the system, supposed right. to speak. With no left or right, no off ramp, right? If they decide they want to railroad you, you fucking railroad it. Right. Excuse my language, but it's like, yeah. it, it, and it's so upsetting. As I'm watching the movie, I'm thinking, yeah, this is happening right now. Yeah, it is happening. In right some now. major city somewhere where some black kid didn't do a crime, he's in jail, will get convicted of that crime. Somebody saw it. Will be sent up into prison. Somebody knows it's wrong. Forever changed by the system and come out a different possibly lesser human being because of his um, experience there. And be judged on it. Right. For the rest of his life. For the rest of his life. Right. And I, I just wanted to say that it's like, I'm glad everybody's coming to the table now. This is the life of a black man in America. It is not a special case by any means. Obviously, there was enough exonerary, uh, exonerative evidence that these guys should have never been convicted. Right. But like this stuff happens. And it's not like, hey, everybody you know should donate millions of dollars, millions of dollars to these uh, Central Five guys. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Local is where stuff matters. And we talk about this when we talk about uh, politics. Yeah. Local is where okay. stuff matters. That was my last thought on that. Yeah. Uh, it was a good movie. I think it's worth watching, especially if you don't know anything about the right. Central Park Five. Uh, it's definitely something that I would recommend. And watch it with your young black man. Yes, that is super important. Fathers, if you have sons, watch it with your sons, please. Please. Yes. Enough about that one. Enough about that. Enough about, Enough about that. Um, let's move on to Trump visit with the Queen. Oh, so we go from Trump to Trump. I see what you did. Okay. <laughs> um, so he visited the Queen. Uh, I must say this. I really don't have really nothing to say about him and him visiting the Queen. Did you see him in that tuxedo? I did. But I have something. Bolton. I'm a big dude. But when I just saw him, I like, you turn to the side, remember we come out in the front, we like, yeah, but when you turn to the side, you're like, ooh. Well, you look like a penguin, bro. <laughs> look like a penguin. So it's like, and part of it also, it's like, listen, I'm a big dude, right? You know, how do I put this? There is a certain representation that I would like to have for the United States. Obama was a perfect example of it. Perfect example. Right? Where it's, well, why, why does fitness matter? Why does... You're having your body and shape matter. For me, it leans to the discipline that you have as a human being. Right. And if you're disciplined in one thing, the likelihood of you being disciplined in something else is, is higher than it otherwise right. would be, right? right? So maybe Obama smoked a bunch of cigarettes. He had no discipline to stop that. Well, we know that he stopped, right? Yeah. Um, so all of those things, discipline and negotiation, discipline in what you're willing to say, right. what secrets you're willing to keep, right? All of those things say discipline. So not the, you know... Uh, put it on this dude for being a big old fat dude, but in 260, man, I'm going to be very real with you. I've lost 20 pounds in the last however so, right? Yeah. Right? I'm not going to tell you where I started. I'm not going to tell you where I'm at. Ain't no weight in hell. He weighs 260. <laughs> I'll just leave that there. 
I'll just leave that there. So, uh, yeah, I took us a little sideways. So about the queen. She's 93. 93 years old. And, and you, we talk about looks, and it's yes. funny you said somebody. Yes. Looks. But I looked at her picture and, and, and him standing beside her. He looks as almost old as she is. She looks good for her age. She, for 93 years for old, 93, she looks she's good. Walking, and she's spry. she's in her right mind. She's, dude, she's, she she's fully aware she of the flies. formalities she that flies. still exist. Like, she is a spry 93-year-old woman. I could only hope to be in that kind of state of being. Because my back hurts right now. My legs hurt. <laughs> so I can't imagine 93 years old. Can you, can, but can you imagine this, though? Trump said that she, he raved about the fact that the queen loved his company. Do you think she really said that? No, no. Um, well, okay, hold on. Let me, let me say now. So, I believe, and I'm somebody who does this, right? I say one thing, right? But the way that I say it, the context in which I say it, right. will lead a very smart person like you, for example, to know that I don't mean exactly what I'm saying. Here, right. Right? I'm actually being ironic. Right. I believe that's where she came. Do I believe that she could have said... That you are a wonderful company. You are some of the best company that I've ever had. I can believe that she said it. Can I think that as a 93 spry role, bright woman that's seen it all, been through it all, it's been through two world wars. Do I believe that she could have been ironically saying that? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I also believe that she didn't actually say it. No, I mean, uh, but because uh, we know President Trump to be not only an embellisher, but a flat out liar, right? right? So. Right, right. Um, could she have said something like, oh, my God, you're a great company. You're a good company. Mm-hmm. And in his brain, his translation is, I'm the best yeah, interaction right. that you've ever had in your entire life. And you're 93 years old. You meant to head to every she's, state. And she's met every president. Take a, look, take a look at the picture of her and Trump side by side. And then take a look at the picture of her and Obama side by side. So not only do you compare the two presidents, right? right you see her body language. You see the smile that she has on her face. Right. For Barack, doesn't have it on her face. For Trump, it doesn't lead me to believe Trump in this situation. Why does he always leave his wife behind, by the way? I looked at some of the interests that, that they made. Yes. He walked in before she did. It's like, dude, give me a break. And by the way, I got to give Melania her props. And I don't, understand, I, I don't understand why... Um, when Michelle was first lady, we gave her props about what she wore, how she looked. This lady is always stunning yes. when I see her. Her her dresses are on point. Her outfits are on point. I'm going to give her her props. I want to say that the two dresses I saw her wear on this trip were the best that she's ever looked. She looked amazing. Yeah. She looked regal. Yeah. Right? She looked like she could be someone's princess or queen. Right. Right. And I was... Stunned by her. Right. She looks um, amazing. She knows how to carry herself also, which is very, very important. She does. It's a stark contrast between her and her husband. Especially dealing with a man like that. Right. So with regards to why she gets left behind, here's my thing. It goes back to men in general, right? I don't believe men, specifically men in America, have much respect for women as a class, as a sex in general, right? Okay. I think it's borne out through some of the policies that some of these guys are trying to enact right now, right? Where it's like, you know, hey, there are states that you can't go have an abortion in this country. Yeah, we'll get on that. Right? Um, But I think it's all because women are viewed as lesser than or as property or as subordinate to men. Right. And I believe if that's your mindset, 
you're going to walk through a door before your woman, right? You're not going to be side to side. You're going to get out the car. You're not going to hold the door. You're going to have a conversation. She's going to show up and be like, oh, forgot you were here right. kind of thing, right. right? Because it's not about her. It's all about you. Right. In his case, I think it's even heightened because he's yeah. such an yeah. egotistical yeah. dude. Yeah. And the truth is, and I don't have it with me right now, but he clearly displays characteristics of a sociopath, <laughs> right? I think I think the degree is like seven out of nine that you have to you have to get to actually be called sociopath. Right. I only got like three of them, but right. he's got he's got enough that I think I'm sure he got any person from afar, right. any clinical physician or, or not physician but psychologist would say. Right. I mean, this guy's obviously got some problems. Right. I mean, plus people are talking about this dude got dementia and all of that. But I, I say all that to say, it's definitely likely possible that he, like the rest of his party, uh, don't have the respect for women that would lean him to have respect for his wives. Right. And we know he doesn't have respect for his ex-wives because right. he's cheated. Right. Uh, quote unquote. Right. His ex-wives words raped one of them. Right. Um, just totally disrespectful, right? So, and cheating on all of them, so. But he's president of the United States. President of the United States, right? Because we care about our taxes and we don't care about the character of the human being. We care about what can that human being do for us. Now, three years later, a lot of people learned the hard way that he didn't do what he said he was going to do. Of course, of course. But he still got a shot. 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 He builds that freaking wall. 2020 is a... Freaking cakewalk. We really don't go there. Since, since, we are, since we want to go into 2020, we're start talking about the 23 Democratic candidates. Is it 23 now? It's 23. I thought it was 20. Oh, no, man. 20. Okay. okay. We gotta have, well, they're only going to narrow it down to 20, but right now it's 23. Um, and Why do you think there's so many people that want to run for the Democratic nomination? I have no idea. I have no idea why so many people want to run. Because they all running on the same thing. Yeah, but, pretty, I'm gonna pretty you, much. I'm gonna give you my three picks. Okay, all right. I'm gonna give you my three picks. Hey, and we can go from there. All right. Of course, in order. In order. All right. And then I'm gonna give you my maybes. Okay. Uh, top three: Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. Okay. All right. All right. And my, mm-hmm. and my maybes. Yes. Pete. 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 Ah, P B. P D B. Okay. <laughs> P-D-B. So. My question, I'm going to question you on your three before we get to mine, right? So, Joe Biden, you know how I feel about Joe. Like, <laughs> I don't even want to put this out there for the public, right? But I I voted for Joe over Obama in <laughs> the Democratic primary, okay. right? And the reason I voted for that because the ideals, that hard scramble, Scranton Joe, that steel worker fighting for the people... I sent my sons off to the military. Joe, that's what I like. Okay. Right? Obama, technically, right? I know he was a senator, but he was a young senator, right? He was the junior yeah. senator from Illinois. And he worked in community. Right? But he was, I would still call him a novice, a an outsider, so to speak. Trump wouldn't call him that, but I would call him an outsider. Okay. Right? The government is so complicated, you have to have some understanding of how it all works, Right? Know that each hand washes the other, right? So that's why I feel like some of the things that have happened since Trump became president, being the outsider, his total disregard or lack of knowledge about how things actually work in Washington. So do you think, people, and that's why I didn't vote for Joe? So do you, going to or this, Obama, sorry. Joe has forty nine years of 
political experience yes. based off yes. what I've seen out of these 23 candidates, yes. by the way. Absolutely. The most of all of them. And Joe's seen the country ebb and flow. Right. Right? He's seen civil rights. He's seen women rights. He's seen unions go to the wayside. He's seen all of this stuff happen. And, and he's been in Congress while it was happening. So he knows the backroom deals that need to get made, right? Even though you can't necessarily say it in front of your constituents. Uh, so he, what are you saying? Is that your pick? I'm going to get to the other, these other two first, right? Because uh, I want to challenge you on Bernie Sanders, right? And I want to challenge you on Elizabeth Warren. Okay. Those two, for me, right? And, and you'll hear it in the mainstream news. We're not talking about Fox. We're talking about CNN and MSNBC. Right. Those two do trend to go a little bit left here. Okay. And one of the things that Joe said when he struck why I'm on his bandwagon again this time. Oh, you back on I'm Joe? I'm back on Joe. Really? I'm back on Joe. Because what he wow. said, and it stuck with me, what's, what's the most important characteristic that a Democratic nominee needs? Because you can't be thinking about picking Joe. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. I just want to challenge people on the way they think. Okay. But what is the one thing that we need our, our rep to have? The ability for me, it's the ability to be Trump. It's not about really yeah. what the policies are. For me, at this point, if they're far left, I'll take it over what the current policies are. Right. right. So what's important to me is someone that when their name is on the ballot, right. Democratic, Republican, that name over Trump, people are willing to click that name. Now we have to understand it's not going to be. Um, educated people like yourself. It's not going to be people that uh, know the issues and are like voting on the issues. Those people are going to vote how they vote. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's going to be how do I feel about the guy that I'm voting for, right? I think Joe is able to grab a large part of those people that sit in the middle, those so-called moderate Republicans, those progressive Democrats right. that you know that have a little conservative bent in them okay. where somebody like Bernie Sanders would never capture those people. Someone like Elizabeth Warren would never capture those people. Okay. Right? I think that the people that vote for those two would reluctantly vote for Joe if he's the Democratic nominee. Right. right? But Joe would still be able to grab a lot of those people from Ohio and Pennsylvania. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. right? Yeah. That absolutely. have regret for voting for Trump, right, 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 but are still conservative-minded, right, right, because Joe is Joe is them. He's from Scranton, PA, right, right. He's seen the left and the right work together. He he has voiced some opinions that can be thought of as more conservative than the baseline and the Democratic Party. And because of that, I think it's super important that the Democrats win. Right? So so since since you own Joe, yeah, right. What about this flip flop thing that he just did? I, I, yeah, so I think the the Hyde Amendment, right, basically uh, restricts uh, the amount of federal aid that can be given towards places that have or sponsor abortions, right? right? right. He was against it in the beginning, right. right, saying, hey, there should be no no law in the books, no government, whatever the states decide, whether the federal government for it in 1977. Boom. So his change, in my mind, is doing exactly what... I think he should be doing. Why, why do you say that? Because, because we might agree on this. Right. Because there are enough people who call themselves pro-life 
Right. Right. That well, there's two. There's two lines of thinking. There are enough people that call themselves pro-life mm-hmm. that disagree with a lot of other policies that the Republicans have forth, or that Trump is championing. Right. That could look to a Democrat nominee that says, "All right, he may not be pro-life, right, but he's putting some restrictions on how the federal government deals with abortion." Right. And I like that. Right. He's not a hardcore lefty like the rest of that group is. So we're going to give him a shot. Uh, secondarily, I think that there are a lot of people, and California is not really one of those places, but that believe in states' rights. A lot of people in the South, a lot of people in the East, uh, the, in the Midwest corridor, they believe in states' rights. Right. Right? It's like whatever we want, right? We're a small percentage of the major population, so it's going to be hard for laws to hit the federal books that affect us right. in a positive way. Right. But locally, right, we can make those changes. So I think a lot of it has to do with states' rights and the ability for states to decide what they want to do, uh, especially with regards to things like abortion. I think a lot of people give him a lot of criticism because he keeps changing his mind. I think uh, this, with him being in this position at this point, it allows him to like hear both sides um, and be able to change. I would rather vote for a person that is going to change their mind now then when they get in the office and they're voted for and they're in office to change their mind. My question to you then would be, he's had a long time right. to change his mind. That's true. It's a coincidence that he changed his mind as he's running for president of the United States? Um, Do you feel some, um, some no. lack of scruples? No, because I think the team that he's among right now is like really feeding him the information that, hey, this is what... The United States is saying, this is what they want. This is what we want. Like, you're here for the people, not for yourself. You're here for the people. What do the people want? And I think he actually, he's listening. And I think that's what led him to change his mind. Also, with some of the Democrat nominees that voiced their opinion about how he felt about it and the way that he voted on it. And he heard that. And he went to the same, like, okay, guys, this is how I voted. This is how I felt about it. Tell me uh, why I should change my mind and I should flip-flop, as they say, um, to what everybody else is thinking. What am I missing here? I feel that he's the type of guy that went to the table and said that, and that that's that is exactly what made him change his mind. But you know, 2019 came right. We're halfway through it. Right. Big old Me Too movement beginning in the in the past year. Right. Right. Um, he himself has had issues, uh, especially with women, young women, uh, in terms of how he's interacted with them. Do you think that this is a slap in the face of women? Uh, around the nation, especially coming from a man that has had his own issues with women? When you say issues with women, what do you mean? Well, I mean, certainly at least two people have come forward and saying that he's made them feel uncomfortable by physical, unwanted touching. You don't think that's a thing? You don't think that's something to be recognized? Right? What if your wife came home one day and said, this happened to me at my job? You wouldn't feel some kind of way about that? And that's the point. She came home that day and said, something happened to me at my job. Not waiting until that person, A, became the president of the company or a CEO and said, oh, well, this happened at my job. No doubt. But, like, if she came home and said to you, and you decided, all right, you know, hey, one-time thing, make sure you go back to them, make sure you address them, maybe even go right. to HR, right? right? Oh, that's well and right. good. But if that person then ran for president three years from now, right. you and your wife wouldn't bring it up then? I find that hard to believe. I, I, well, I would find it hard to believe not to bring it up before this happened. Well, according to at least one of them, she said she immediately talked to people about it. Who? Immediately. It was the Latin woman who was the uh, representative. So, so these stories that came out, did they hold up? Were these stories now? 
That's the that's another point I want to make. Where's the evidence? Biden flopping, flip flopping now, based on the news cycle that we have, based on the extravagant craziness that our president spouts in a month. Will you even remember that he flipped flopped on the Hyde no, Amendment? No, no, no one will. No, no one will. Right? Even you now, don't even know what a Hyde Amendment is. Right? Even now, he said his position has always been consistent on that. Nobody as a Christian. I don't feel like this would even came up if we wouldn't talk about a point about abortion. Right. If these states weren't doing these different things about abortion, this wouldn't even been brought up in the candidate. Well, maybe it would have been, but I don't think it would have been on a debate table that much. Um, I really don't think so. Well, I think it's well, yes and no, right? Because I think yeah, every yes every no. every four years, <laughs> that's when we start talking about abortion again, right? Right? Uh, when somebody runs for president, but uh, I think he's smart in doing it now as early as possible because of our news cycle, right? You say you're consistent with it, and he's learned from the master. We got a president that nothing he says actually matters unless it's something that you already believe, right? Right. So you play into that. As much as I like Joe, this flip-flop is a little disconcerting, right? But I understand why he's doing it, right? And my position was what? I need somebody who can get elected, right? right. So it's not about Jamal, the voter in Mountain View, California. <laughs> it's not about me. So you think he's doing this to get elected? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you think he does not believe in this at all? Uh, that is less of a reason for him to be doing what he's doing than what he thinks is necessary to gain the election, is what I believe. Right? Because think about it like this, right? He's got a campaign in Alabama. He's got a campaign in Missouri where you can't get abortions anymore for the most part. Right? right. He comes with this position in those states. What is he going to get? So he'll get a little bit more love than he otherwise would have gotten. He comes to California. He's going to get less love. Maybe as a, a Democrat primary candidate, right. but not as the general party, not as the party candidate, not as um, the candidate running for the presidency. Nah, not in California, he won't. Because it's at that point, once he gains the nomination, the only thing that people are going to care about is frog it out the mouth. Get this dude out of the office. Right? And you know, based on the last election, there are... 100,000 people, less than, I don't know exact number, less than 100,000 people that if you could change their vote in those certain spots, right. you could change you their states, yeah. and you could change the electoral right. college. You're right. right? right. Um, and those states are Midwestern states. Right. They don't think of stuff like you and me. So so I think I think we can both agree that Joe is should be the front runner for yes. representing the Democrat. Bernie, Warren, Bernie, no. far but, too left. But, but Warren, Elizabeth Warren, I got to give it to her. She has a plan. She, this lady got white papers. This lady has plans. She has some plans. I actually, I'll put Bar- Bernie as third. Maybe, maybe I'm projecting when I'm saying this, right? Because it's possible. I don't think the country, men in this country, some large portion of women in this country, is that right for have enough respect for women as thoughtful, bright leaders. That they are going to vote for now, and I say that, and, and Hillary only lost by however many votes, That's right? But said, yeah. she is the biggest name in the history of female politics, right? Correct. And she lost. Who else is going to come behind her and have a better chance than her? Outside of Michelle Obama, I don't see it. Stacey, <laughs> you need to leave that Georgia stuff alone, man. <laughs> Stacy, what 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 has Stacy done? She is a loser. Whoa. Can you imagine? 
your president on on Fox News or whatever. Yeah, you have to lose losers. The you gotta lose you got a president that'll say, I never lost in my life. Really? The per- the perception of my losses, right? Oh, they weren't geez. losses to me. I'm just saying. We talking about president. I I know we're we're dealing with something we never dealt with before, right? I'm not a, I'm not an older statesman. I don't know the politics in 1960. I'm not a historian. I haven't read up on that stuff. And I'm so, not even gonna get on Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats with this whole impeachment thing. Ooh, I didn't read all the way through it. So again, I'm coming from a, a point of ignorance. I read that there was a way to impeach him in the House. Yet not send it to the Senate at all for conviction. Like I said, I didn't read the article all the way through, so I don't know exactly the legal minutia on how that could be possible, right. right? But they said that it's it's still there. But this guy wants your your lady Pelosi wants him in prison. He doesn't want impeachment. She wants imprisonment, it's not impeachment. Really, she wants to wait until after he's president to go forward with this. I don't, that's not gonna happen. The no. guy's not gonna go to prison. The way that I look at it, if sir, nothing's happened up until this point. What makes her think that once he leaves office that she would be able to put him in prison? I'm going to make this hot take. It's really not that hot. If President Trump goes to prison, anybody else can go to prison. If he goes to prison, yeah. that is the end of our country. That is the end of our why country. Why do you think, why is that? Because it's the end of our country now because he's not being held accountable. Well, I understand. But, but, you, but you do that. You do exactly what he did and tell me what will happen. But it's not about he's a white man. I'm not a white man, <laughs> right? Like that Barack's not a white matter. man. That should not matter. Listen, you and I agree that the world should be probably one way, right? right? The world. But we are also smart enough to understand the world is a certain other way that doesn't align with the ideal way that we want it to be. Right. We gotta live in reality. We have to. Well, we are definitely in reality. We are definitely in reality. Are so we? much in reality that. Russia feels like they can punk us. From what I saw, it looked like they kind of punked us. They did punk us. Ben, ben go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I will lean on you. I don't know much about how military responds, what they do. But when I saw the picture on the front page of the U.S. naval ship and the Russian ship almost colliding, and I have yet to hear any repercussions, any kind of statements being made, um, and maybe I'm not informed, but I haven't read any of that stuff. Sad, I don't know where we're at. That's so tell me exactly, explain to me, how can that even be possible? There is a large, large, large ocean, and you're telling me two ships that couldn't be more than, what, 100 or maybe 500 yards big, probably smaller than that. 567 feet is the, the side, long for the chest. So 250 yards yeah. almost collide in a big-ass ocean. Please explain that to me. Uh, I can't explain it. There, there's no way to uh, explain it. Being a Navy guy myself. And they got photos of it. Yeah, and they got photos. Being a Navy guy myself, being on the ship, have driven the USS John Paul Jones, by the way, DDG, uh, one of the most amazing ships uh, uh, in the world. But driving the ship and knowing the rules of the road, because they call it the rules of the road, um, for, for this Russian vessel... To approach an American vessel and be 50 to 100 yards away from which the vessel, is nothing, which is nothing for the CO of the ship to set all engines back to avoid collision. 
And for the Russian sailors to be on the top of the deck sunbathing. Oh, is that what it was? Oh, yes. They were sunbathing. During an unrep. Unrep is when we're with alongside an oiler and we're taking on oil, we're taking on gas for, you know, for, for aircraft. We're taking uh, on goods from other ships. Gotcha. Um, we're, we're hella close and it's dangerous. So for a ship to come up beside you, and you can look at the wake of the ship in the pictures, you can look at the wake of the ship and know that that ship came upon the Russian one. The Russian came one upon the U.S. came upon the ship because they said they were in flight ops. On flight ops, you got to maintain steady course and a steady speed at all times. So, and we announced that out to to surround the vessels that that around us. Like, don't get close to us because this is what we're doing. We can't go off course because this is the the way of the winds. And this helicopter has to land on the vessel. So like you stay so, away from us. So you certainly believe that happened. Oh, that's in procedures that that happened. Okay. They knew that we were doing this, and they approached us in that way. Why didn't the Navy shoot a warning shot at them? Why the CO didn't? I didn't, feel, I, yeah, I didn't read any of that. Why the CO didn't feel threatened at the time with a vessel coming at them at that speed, that close? And for you to put all engines back and flight ops, for him not to feel threatened, I have no idea what was going on. I can't. Being a sailor on that ship on the Chancellorsville, and I've been on the Chancellorsville before because um, it was in San Diego, so I've been on the Chancellorsville before. Uh, it's a cruiser. And his main job is to locate um, submarines, right? For that vessel to get that close to that ship and the sailors... And the CO did not go into general quarters. I have no idea. And for the U.S. not to react, and and I and maybe they're reacting in a secret way that we uh, in the public don't know about. Right. But for them not to react in a way of saying, "Are y'all serious right now?" For for them not to say, or the armor of that fleet to say, shoot a warning shot at them to let them know that we're not playing with them. For them not to shoot a warning shot and to put sailors in that danger, because that's danger yeah. in the middle of the ocean. For them not to do that, I don't understand it. So, so we're talking about this point here. Me being a sailor, I, I have, I can't, I can't imagine being on that ship and being either on the bridge, on watch, in my rack, eating chow, and the CL says all engines back. There's a vessel approaching us. All these things are going on the bridge. The EXO is on the bridge. Combat Systems is now all in the mix saying, okay, what are we going to do? What missiles are we going to shoot? Uh, man the gun mounts. All that had to be going on on that ship. Like it, yeah. people, people in the public see is, oh, man, this Russian vessel approached this Navy ship, and it got 50 to 100 feet close to the ship. Oh, my gosh, it almost collided. But what they don't understand is the inside of the ship was actually happening. All right. They had to go to general quarters. There's no way that that ship did not go to general quarters. But if you're a soldier on this ship, right, what could be happening now that makes you feel comfortable about the interaction that happened before? So as the ships are coming, they're getting you guys all hyped up, and then the interaction happens, and then you guys, the boats go a separate way, right? Mm-hmm. Is there any recourse? Like, is it just like, oh, okay, we avoided that, and then you move on with whatever you were doing? No. Right? It seems to me like, as a soldier, it'd be like, 
No. Like, I, I need to know some answers to these questions. No. Because all I can take it from is a political point of view, right? Yeah. And the, from the political point of view, it's just another instance in which the Russians provocate Secretary of the Navy, right, Secretary of Defense, without repercussion. And that is all because I don't see the behind the scenes stuff. Right. You mentioned it where ah, stuff could be happening, some kind of response. Right. But right. as a citizen, I don't see that. As a citizen, you need to see a response on this. I, I need to see a response. As someone who still thinks Russia is the enemy, because, I need to see a response. Because this is not the only incident. Right. We just had planes get close to each other. So it, this hasn't even been a month yet. And to be in the middle of the ocean and get that close to a vessel with approximately 30 officers, 300 sailors in the middle of the ocean... And think that, uh-huh, uh, we just trying to let you guys know how powerful we are. For us not to respond to that, it just amazes me. It's for us not to respond. The least we could have done is said, this is our last call telling you, do not approach this ship. Send a warning shot. But I didn't, yeah, I didn't read any of that stuff happening. No, you're not, you're not going to read. All you see is pictures and this, this Russian vessel approached us. That's all you see. But what it's doing is it's heightening my sensitivity to all things Russia, right? It, it doesn't take a long hop, skip, and jump for me to get to war, right? Their support of Syrian forces, right? Their support of uh, communist forces in the Caribbean. Their support of Venezuelan communist regimes, right? All of those things, all of which we're still currently engaged in, mm-hmm. leads me to believe that there's going to be a tipping point somewhere. And not I don't know, not this person. But I don't know. Well, that that may be true, but like I, I don't know. It just makes me feel very uncomfortable. Certainly because of this president, that we all certainly still believe is in bed with Russia on some level, right? Not doing anything. It, it worries me that we might cross a line that we could no longer come back from. And we already have. For for us to be on the national news to say that our president flew into uh, a country. And wanted the John McCain to be um, pretty much covered up, lest the world know that y'all ain't serious. Y'all, y'all, y'all don't even respect y'all own vessels. Petty, petty. So, so if y'all don't respect y'all own vessels, we can pull up beside y'all. Y'all ain't gonna do nothing. Y'all president ain't gonna do nothing. Y'all Secretary of Defense, Secretary of Navy, not gonna do anything. All you gonna say, oh, it's a sad day, and our militaries are gonna talk to each other. Really? That's what we're going to do. So I just downloaded Rosetta Stone at the house, right? You know, the uh, speech stuff. Right. Uh, downloaded Korean. I'm trying to go Korean and learn Korean. Okay. Uh, and Spanish, because, you know, I'm going to make sure. You know, me and my lady's mom's is good. Right. Um, <laughs> but I get the feeling I, I need to be downloading Russian. Because 15 years from now, I'm going to have to be in some chat line, listening to some Russian right. guard, right. telling me where to go with my plate. Right. Because I just don't feel... Like, we've done enough in the game. You're in the military. I'm not. I don't know exactly how the backroom stuff works. Um, I just think we've capitulated and yielded to Russian provocation for the entire presidency. And it's not like a bully comes around, you keep beating up all the kids at the school, and then you get a new kid at the school. No, that kid's getting beat up too. Right. Right? So whatever new president comes, unless they got a big brother or, or like, iron knuckles, brass knuckles in their bag... They're going to get beat up. And I right. worry that that's the point that we've reached. We're going to get beat up. And that's why I worry about this country being <laughs> around. And when we talk about being the strongest military in the world, 
for for people if people thought that we were the strongest military in the world those things wouldn't happen i i can only yield as someone who has not served decided actively not to serve i can only yield to uh, for those for for those guys that served in d-day seeing that for them to see that is kind of like totally disrespectful to them that's how i feel about it Oh, that's, well, that's my stand. I, I got you. And I don't have much else to add to that. I will segue a little bit here. Speaking of D-Day, you know that Trump gave an interview on D-Day uh, and had the entire ceremony. His words, the entire ceremony is waiting on him to finish this interview with Laura Ingram. Right. Laura Ingram then comes to say what your president just said. Don't believe that. This interview did not hold up that ceremony, even though he literally just got finished saying it. Fox News told me not to believe the president of the United States. As an aside, that was a little aside. I'm glad you put that. Out. Yeah, man, it's 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 we live in a bizarre world. This is craziness. It's, it's Fox and honestly, and it takes me talking about it. It's Fox and Friends. To really think that like this is a world that I gotta wake up to tomorrow. I gotta go to work in this Dude. world. Oh Lord, yeah, kids. <laughs> okay, enough about Trumpito. So well, we. So... Never enough. enough, but Never enough. here he comes again. Okay. Uh, going to our next conversation about the Saudis and them building bombs. All I gotta say about this, and I'm gonna let you speak on this. Um, we did this. We always do. We always sell people stuff and then expect for them not to sell it to anybody else. You really think they're not gonna make money? We left our materials, our tanker trucks over there. Oh, we just left it over there. Now they're using them. Now they're gonna use them against us. Um, we always do this. The United States always do this. Um, I don't know what's up with the government and them trying to to put this on the back burner, saying, "Oh, I, oh, we don't know about it. Oh, let's look at it. Now we're going to investigate." They already know about this. It, to be honest, there's yeah. no, really no point of us talking about it. True. They already know. There are no weapons that have ever been sold by the United States government to any country, right? That didn't make their way into the wrong hands. It has not happened. I mean, I'm sure there are deals that I know. Right, but the major ones, including ones done by Democrats as president, yes. they make it into the wrong hands, right? The famous one, obviously, is the Osama bin Laden, right? right? When we went to go help out the Afghans against right. the Russians and whatnot, we gave them all the guns and whatnot, and they formed the damn Taliban, and that came out to bite us, didn't it? Right, right. But we still the U.S. Do soldiers getting killed by American weapons. We still doing it. I, I didn't know that it was that necessary for us to sell uh, weapons we need money that badly but i will say two things number one uh this is the saudi government led by i forgot the prince's name uh but the only hit prince right who literally tortured and murdered a journalist right that got no rebuke from the president as far as i remember or administration right murdered and tortured a journalist right okay um cut his body in pieces (laughs) right and currently is trying to execute a child. Right. Right? So, those are the backdrop of a country we are giving weapons to in the deal that has subverted congressional approval. Right? The people that you and I voted for, our representatives, the people that actually speak for us, have had no say in whether or not this arms deal goes through. That, in and of itself, is wrong. What the hell is Congress for? There has not been any more neutered, impotent Congress than the one we currently have. But they said they don't know about this deal that went through, though. I mean, do you know about it? No. I mean, I, I read about it in the paper. <laughs> Why aren't they putting a stop to it? 
right? Why, why aren't they right now on a Saturday afternoon, right, meeting, talking about this and how they're allowing the president they're to recess, right? I don't even know. How can you be in recess? I feel like they're in high school and they're out for the summer. So my, I don't know what the real deal we is. We can do that on our job. But, but here's the deal. Right? I guess we can take vacation. He, they've got constituents, so they need to go back to those communities and get with it. I mean, when was the last time you talked to your congressperson? When was the last time your congressperson said, I'm going to be here. Let's have a town hall about what you guys want, right? So it's all BS, man. It's all BS. Well, you know. So that's why somebody like you, I think, needs to make their way into the political sphere, Right. And we the always say not ready for somebody like me. Well, somebody we'll see. That's real. We'll see. I think the I think the world is ready for it, right? So we've been voting in politicians, what we thought a politician should be, right? And then we had enough of that, and that's why we said we need somebody totally outside of the system, right? That blew up in America's we face. Be there, right? Blew up in America's face. So I think that there's going to be a a niche, so to speak, that you can find yourself in. First of all, the reason. I believe this wholeheartedly. The reason that Peter has whatever traction that he has, even as a gay candidate, right. is because he served in the military. Right. Right. <laughs> Take this for what, what what it is. I believe those things offset each other in the minds of some. Right. So you being a military man, uh, you having a nice, beautiful family. Right. Um, you are a liberal gentleman, certainly, but I think you have some conservative views on something. So what, what I'm saying is I think that, and you have no issue speaking truth to power. Yeah. So that puts you somewhat as an outsider. But I think that as you groom your political uh, ideology and your characteristics as a politician, you'll, you'll see the niche that fits in terms of outsider, military guy, so you know how it works. You know right. chain of command. You understand all that kind of stuff. Uh, but you have no issue speaking truth to power, and basically you are us telling the politicians and that's not what we want. So I think that's that's what you would ride into election. Right. Uh, if I was your campaign manager, that's kind of how I would frame your position. Obviously, I don't know what your positions right. are on all these issues, right. but uh, that would be the backdrop in which we've entered all of our conversations. Right. I'm the outsider that knows how the inside works. Right. right? Um, and I think that we're ready for that. Right. That's just my point of view. Well, we'll see about that. We'll see. We'll see about that. Well, but one see. thing I want to touch on before we, before we end this thing. Yes. My hot. Warriors. My, my Warriors, man. My Warriors. What What do you feel about my guys? Uh, so, after they lost game one. No, after they won game two. I don't know if it, I don't know if it was to you or my sister or somebody. I was like, oh, no. The Raptors are going to sweep them. Raptors are going to sweep them. I mean, sweep them in three more games and they're out, right? So they won two and they just got to win one more and then it's over. But the reason I said that out loud is because I have a, I have an effect on things. The things that I like to root for are the things that, that lose, right? So my hope was I put that out in the world. The world said, nah, we don't want to give Jamal what he wants, right? So the Warriors win. Famously, and uh, I got a boy his name is Eric. Famously, um... I did it. Uh, Rafer Alston, he's a and one guy, but he also played in the, in the league. Um, I saw him at a restaurant in Miami when I was living down there. And we chopped it up a hot second, right? And I didn't like him. Didn't like his attitude, whatever. So he's playing against the Warriors or whatever, and I started rooting against him. I said, this fool is so trash. He's the worst player in the league. He shouldn't even be in the league. 
Next thing I know, I think he scored like 35 points career high against the Warriors and his team won. From that point on, in my mind, I had the power to control outcomes of events based on the antithesis of what I wanted to happen. Therefore, long story, therefore, I was rooting for Toronto thinking that the Warriors were going to win because I was rooting for Toronto. I'm not sure these boys got a shot. I don't know if you saw the game last night. Yeah, they, they, they look exhausted. They look exhausted. The Warriors look the, tired. The Warriors are tired. The Warriors are tired, but the Warriors are tired because they're playing against a great team. I, I just got to give it to them. Toronto has a great team. They do. They have a great team. And even if du, even if Durant was playing right now, I think it would still be challenging for the Warriors. So if he comes back on game five, Durant. Which I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen either. But say he walks out there, Willis Reed style, like on a bum leg, limp it out there. In Toronto, you don't think that gives the Warriors a good shot at winning? No. You think it's likely that they'll still lose that game? The Warriors are done. And that's my team. They're done. I could tell by the post-interviews that uh, Clay, uh, Curry, and Draymond, they mentally, they're tired. Mentally, they're tired. They don't know what else to do. They couldn't answer questions of, why are you guys... Are, are at where you're at. Um, the only thing I can say is they Toronto is a good team, and they are a good team. So I think that um, at this point, um, they should take this loss. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't win them all, right? Uh, and readjust for next season. That's how I feel at this point. What does that mean? Do you sign back? Do you try your best to get Kevin Durant to stay? No, I think Kevin Durant should you mean stay on the team. Yeah. He's um, I, I think Everybody I, says he's going to New York. I, I think at this point, um, if if for for me, if I was him, if if I was leaving the team, it would be no point of me trying to go out on the on the on the on the court trying to help them win or come back from a three and one loss. So let me ask you this question then: If he doesn't come to play on Game Five, right? Do you believe that is a signal? That he's not going to be with the Warriors. No, absolutely not. I think his health should be the reason why he's not coming back to play on Game Five. Well, what I'm saying is, Clay. Some people could say he rushed back, right? He wasn't 100% healthy for this, right? But he rushed back. Right. He wants to be with the Warriors next year. He's right. going to hopefully they sign him into a big contract. Right. So my question is, does KD not want to rush back because he knows he's not going to be here on this team? So rushing back only to risk even further injury. For a team that you're not gonna be on, I, I, but I don't, I, do? I don't think that he's, I don't think that he's, I don't think he's like not trying to rush back. I think doctors are telling him, based off of the information that I received and I've read about, the doctors are telling him, hey, it's been almost five weeks, um, and we thought that this injury was gonna be way. He was gonna be over this injury way sooner. Mm-hmm. You're going out on the court to practice, and in these practices. You're not able to do certain things, so you don't need to go play because there's no point. Right. You're going you're gonna to only give them 50%. They, at this point, they need 100%. So if you can't even give them 100%, you can only give them 50%, and that's definitely not what they need right now. They need 110% from all their players. There's no point of him going out there, whether he's going to stay with the Warriors or if he's going to uh, leave the Warriors. I don't think it's necessary for him to go out there. If he's not going to give 100%, there's no reason he should go out there gotcha. to injure himself even more. Because he ain't young. No. He's not young at all, right? Um, so it's about a 30 in basketball. And, right. And, and if if he's already planning to go to another team, to probably answer your question, 
If I know I'm hurt, there's no point of me going out there because I want to make myself available for the next team that I don't go to, whether that's New York, whether that's staying with the Warriors. So I don't know how hurt he is, but I'm going to translate what you just said into a hot take. Your hot take, to me, sounds like it should be what I what I mentioned earlier. If he doesn't come back to play next game, mm-hmm. means he doesn't push it, didn't rush back. Right. Not to say that he's healthy enough to do that, but just saying he didn't rush it, didn't force it. Right. So he's got no interest in staying. If he forces it and then can't go, then then I know he wants to stay. Because he cares about this team so much, he wants to stay. But my other hot take about this team is twofold. Number one, the next game, follow Curry. If you have, if you say, all right, I'm going to follow Curry for five minutes of game time. Follow him on the offensive end, right? He'll have the ball. You'll see him. But then follow him on the defensive end. Last game. We lost because Curry's inability to guard, to rotate, to bring anything to the table on the defensive end. You see it in the third quarter. It's it's just so obvious. And uh, there's one specific play where he's in the corner guarding guarding the three guy. And I believe it was Kawhi drives being guarded by Clay. And for some reason, he comes over to double team, leaving the guy in the corner wide open. Kawhi passes the ball to that guy who's wide open, shoots a three, and he makes it. You can see on Draymond's face and on Clay's face the exasperation of, like, what the F are you doing to um, Steph Curry? Like, you're not a smart basketball player. Like, that was dumb. And they, they give the body language directly to him. And and I feel like I feel like that's gonna live with this team if they don't win. I think there's going to be some issue. And I'm not saying Clay's not gonna come back. I'm not saying Draymond's not gonna come back. But I think that's I wish Draymond was that's back. some deep seated stuff. I hate Draymond as a player. He's, uh, he's, he's like so I hate him. emotional. But he's on my team, uh, so I want him to do good stuff. That technical we got yesterday didn't cost us a game. Didn't it wasn't. But it wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessary. It prevents your team from coming back for sure, but it it because he does crazy stuff himself to get fouls. So now let the face. other team do it. Scream in my face. Now let the other team do it. Oh, now it's a big deal. Right. Anyway, my last hot take on the Warriors is all right. I think they're gonna lose. I hope that they don't lose. My my gut tells me that they can pull it out in seven games. But. If they do lose against the Raptors, would you be willing to do this? Kevin Durant goes. He leaves the team, right? Goes somewhere in New York, whatever. doesn't matter. Right. The Warriors get Kawhi Leonard. Would you be okay with that? The same guy that puts you out in the finals. Why would why would he do that? Because uh, he wants to move back to California. The word is, right? Um, on this team, he's... While he's still the best player, he's still not the star. Steph's still the star on the team, right? Interviews, the whole bit, right? So he can still play the back, but still be known by everybody as the best player, right? The Warriors got money to give. And, you know, we're light years ahead of everybody, so... And I always say, because he's the damn best player in the league. Showed it. Showed it. Okay. Okay, you don't want it. You don't want it. So if he came and he signed with the team, you'd be against it? 
I wouldn't. I don't think I really have an opinion about it. Listen, it's a, it's it's an abstract. Because at the end of the day, I hadn't heard nobody talk Steph about Steph Curry would still be still your man. And my then man. and then the Splash Brothers. Everybody likes Clay. And everybody likes Clay. Everybody. He's like I dumb. Think he, I, but like, I saw one of his interviews. And actually, it was my first time ever like really really looking at one of his interviews. Like the whole entire interview. Very professional in yes. his answers. Yes. His father was a basketball player. Should be used to it. Very professional. Um. More than Curry, actually. Yeah. Curry still like this, and he doing all like. I don't want to get too deep into Curry. I feel like Curry's wife has a negative influence on him as a person. Why do you feel that? Because she she wants to be so ratchet and not proper. She wants to be so hood. She wants to be so black. What? And I think she's just doing it wrong, right? Because her background um, is is not American black, right? She's from Canada. I want to say she's from Toronto. Don't even. Ooh. Is there subterfuge afoot? Anyway, she's from Canada. Um, she's brought into this culture. She opened up a damn rib place. Let's be honest. You tell me she don't want to be black. Stop it. <laughs> With a fine dining magnate, she opened up a rib spot. She just liked to cook. And she liked to eat. Ribs. What's wrong with that? Ribs. Really? You must not want no black people to come to your restaurant, right? Oh, okay. Exactly. So. Um, and just and just the way that she carries herself. Have you seen some of the interviews that she's done? Right? What do they call it? They, the phrase I mean, is... How is she supposed to um, Code switching, right? Where if I'm with my boys, I'm going to talk one way, right? When I'm at work, I'm going to talk one way. When I'm meeting the president of the United States, I'm going to talk one way, right? She does it, and it, it irks me so much. When she talks to urban outlets around a bunch of black people... She's sucking her teeth, popping her neck, doing all this. It's it's so annoying to me. I'm someone who's just like, sure, I code switch. There's no doubt, right? Most of us do. But I never lose who I am as a person. That follows me everywhere I go. And she's so different in the different spots that I've seen her. It's become agonizing to hear her being interviewed. And, and then additionally, what she said in terms of she wants to get hollered at, she wants people to slide in her DMs. You didn't feel no kind of way about that, right? Because her man ain't giving her enough attention. You put him on blast around the world like that. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm sure that's real supportive. That's advice. how you really feel. Yeah, man. I really, really feel that way. I really, really feel she so got she just she, she, she she just she bounded on his back into her own fame, right? Felt some kind of way about her now being her own entity, right? Oh my god. And I just don't think, well, first of all, I don't believe any of that happens without Steph Curry, number one. And I don't think that he gets the credit for her success that he deserves. Oh. And I don't think that she gives enough credit to him for the things that she has done. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what your marriage is like, but I know my girlfriend would definitely um, credit me. But do you feel... When she's being interviewed, and I actually did something now. If I didn't do no shit, she wouldn't say nothing. But if I actually promoted her and gave her opportunities her and got her in a room with certain people, my, my lady would give a shout-out. Well, how do you know that he did that? How do you know that he did that? How do you know she didn't do it herself? Because that's how I know. You try to do it. What are your bona fides? I don't have that much money. It's much money to have. That, that's the point I'm making. And I'm not saying Michael Minna... You want to have a meeting with my wife? I'm saying, oh, aren't you? Step, come on in. But, but, but come but, on but in. Even sometimes when you do have that money, 
you're not always successful when it comes to this. No doubt. No doubt. You can know the people. Sure. But you might not get anywhere with it. No doubt. You got to know the right people. That's true. Michael Minna, not going to fail in the Bay Area. He okay. hasn't, won't, right? He's like the preeminent chef, right? Linked up with the right person, boom, she's money. Have you ever been, by the way, International Smoke? No, I haven't. Never been either. I ain't paying $40 for those rooms. That's what she's in charge of. Five bones. Maybe we should go. We should. We Maybe should. we should go. And then we can come back and we can sit down again. And I, yeah, I'll have a basis. And Maybe you'll change your opinion. Right? Because I had a, um, I don't want to go race. It hurts me. But I went to Tennessee. Oh, God. K Vegas. Woo! Love that place. It's beautiful. I don't know if you've ever been to Tennessee. Gorgeous. Tennessee. Knoxville. I'm from Georgia. Gorgeous. Right? So went there, a football game, Miami versus Tennessee. My buddy. Black on place or? No, no. This is somebody's house. Oh, okay. Right? So my buddy, white white, white guy from Knoxville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. went to his house. He let us stay there. Right. Um, nice, big old home. His father's a doctor. Great. Great home. They fed us. So his stepmom is cooking ribs. You know, me, anybody who knows me, you know, like a slice some ribs. Like to the point I might get someone more way home than I forget. <laughs> right? All right. Um, so I see her. She boiled in the, she boiled in the ribs. Right? From where I come from, right, you put that bad boy in the smoker outside, you let that smoke for 16 hours, right? What white people do, mm-hmm. put that bad boy, boil them ribs, mm-hmm. put that, bake that shit in the oven with some sauce, you're good to go, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Fall, fall, the fall off fall the bone. bone. Those ribs were amazing, right? But they'll never be the top-notch ribs in my brain, ever. Why? Because I saw a bone. So I bought and my mind will not allow me to represent oh, that in the best flavor ever. It's that shit was amazing. Well, shit boil the damn ribs. But you would, you would, you. But what would be in your mind is somebody putting it in the grill in the smoker for sixteen hours. They come out and don't taste right. Authentic. Authentic. And they dry. Well, I mean, if they gross, they gross, right? But they'll never be able to take that top spot. And these were trendy. So what I'm worried about is her food. Right, doesn't give me that authentic. Cause I've been to North Carolina, I've been in Missouri, I've been to Texas. I eat barbecue all around the damn world. I got barbecue in freaking uh, freaking Amsterdam when I went. If it don't give me that authentic black flavor, I'm gonna have something to say about it, and I'm worried about so it. So now she's ghetto. Um, no, no, see, that's, that's the part. part. That's the part of food that's gonna Well, see, black. here's the part that I hate the most. She's not ghetto. She wants to be ghetto. That's some shit that I hate. I got two parents that grew up in the fucking hood. You guys hear this, right? I got our debt. You know, third warrior, no joke. Yeah, North Philly. It's called Nice Town. I was, I wouldn't walk to Nice Town. Part of the reason I didn't go to Temple is because I didn't want to go to Nice Town. My grandmother lived there. I said, no, <laughs> good. Right? They get out of the ghetto, Right? They don't take their families to the ghetto. They don't set up shop back in the ghetto. They leave the ghetto and go back to try to change the ghetto for everybody, to make it better for everybody, right? So why would I ever want to act hood or ghetto? I am not that. I wasn't born there. I visited. I got cousins, so I know exactly what that is. And I know know what that yields. How you know she ain't hood and ghetto? She's trying to be the opposite. And when you see her, she's actually trying to be the opposite. Because she is hood and ghetto. Listen, I didn't know her from four until 18, so I don't know. You're right. You're right. I'm just guessing. You know what? I'm guessing. But I've been to Walnut Creek. 
Maybe we should visit. Maybe I see where they live in Walnut Creek. Maybe we should Don't interview her. Walnut Creek. Maybe we should interview her. I, I Maybe she will want to talk to us. To get that interview, awesome. I really have no um, like desire I do. to be around her, to speak to her. I do. Right? And while I do find her attractive, right? Because I'm into cherubic faces and she got a big old cherubic face. You see, I don't find her that attractive. Why not? She got nice green eyes. She didn't have pretty eyes. Right? Um. But it doesn't matter what we she think. She never did lose it, that matter, baby weight, though. It matters what Steph thinks. I think maybe she had that third kid to have an excuse to have on that baby weight. All right. I'm, I'm, trying, to to this, I'm trying to let this interview. You're right. You're right. I, I mean, <laughs> I got I mean, this. I guess I could talk about this show. But you can definitely come and sit down with us, and you can definitely give your side of what we're talking about. I mean, I got no hard feelings towards you. Like, I don't know you. Why don't I only know you from far? Right? I'm a fan of your husband. If and when I go to International Smoke, I may be a fan of your food. I will come back here and I will address it just like that. I'll be very, very honest about it. Um, this is where I sit now, not knowing you, not ever. And they say, don't judge. People tell me all the time, don't judge. I'm the... I got eyes. Judge. I got ears. We always judge. Everybody judges. That's what I'm doing. Judge. Now, I'm putting it out on a form for you to hear. <laughs> don't kill me for it. Uh, what else you got? I think this is it. Yeah. I think this is it's, it. I it's think about you, time. You landed. Yeah, I mean, listen, friends. I went hard. Very hard. Um, on a person that had a little turbulence coming in. Yeah, you know. Uh, I might have regrets, depending on how all this goes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be honest about that, but it's the way I feel. It's the way I feel now. I appreciate it, though. So I appreciate your conversation today, sir. Yes. Um, so thank you guys for joining us on the Fearless and Jamal show. Uh, we look forward to your comments and your opinions uh, and your judgment because, again, all of us judge. Uh, until next time, uh, see you later. Hodgeball, this is Aphelios.